0: Genesis chapter 27 as we continue our series of He's Still Working on Me, uh, the life of Jacob. And today we're going to look at a family in trouble. A family in trouble. And we fast forward many years again in the life of Isaac and Rebekah and Esau and Jacob as we come to chapter 27 of Genesis. And this chapter is a sad chapter indeed. If you think dysfunctional families are only a thing... Uh, In our modern day, you're about to be surprised. In fact, they're as old as the very first family because sin has made things go awry. We studied this morning in our adult classes about sin. And you say, well, why do we have all these problems and heartache and sickness and death and injury and terror and uh, ISIS and all these things in our world? Well, it's one word, sin. And so we know that uh, sin has entered our world. Adam and Eve sinned, uh, ushered us into sin, and uh, things have gone awry. And this chapter that we're about to study, chapter 27, and a small portion of chapter 28, shows us uh, how to properly respond uh, to the Word of God and the will of God. And this became clear to me as I was reading Roger Ellsworth's book on Jacob, And when he wrote on this chapter, he entitled his uh, chapter, Inadequate Responses to the Word of God. Inadequate Responses to the Word of God. And I've never really looked at this passage in that light. But these families here serve, uh, this family here serves as an example of how not to respond. To the word and will of God. Now, of course, they didn't have a Bible like you and I have. You you understand it. You remember that. They didn't have, you know, the bound book like we have a leather Bible from Genesis to Revelation. But they did have God's promise. And they did have God's word on some things concerning themselves and uh, their future. Uh, They had God's word concerning the Abrahamic covenant and the fact that um, they were going to carry that on. And uh, they also knew particularly that Jacob would be the one that would carry on the line of uh, the Messiah. But there are 51 verses in front of us today. We're going to look at all of chapter 27, first five of chapter 28. And I had to make a decision as how to best cover this material. Number one, in the time allotted. Number two, being faithful to the text. And number three, being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And also, number four, being considerate of our memories. We can only remember so much material, uh, right? And so there's so much we could talk about, so much we could look at. And I just got to thinking, well, I don't want you to leave here today thinking just this. Well, wow, that was a lot of Scripture. And so since there's 51 verses, I'm going to dedicate just one minute to each verse, okay? Okay. <laughs> No, I'm not going to. I'm just saying if you're awake today. In the next few minutes, I want to look at how this family responded to the word of God and thus responded to his will and see the consequences of their decisions. And the best thing I know to do is to go ahead and read the whole story. And then we'll come back generally and we'll unpack it together. And we'll look at it family member by family member. We'll saw each family member responded to the word of God. So let's just read the story. Man, you think about stories that you might watch in a movie or a show, or a a series, you're about to read something that you could probably turn on the television and be amazed to to watch because, and this is real, this is a real drama playing out before us. And you see a sad picture of a family in trouble. Genesis 27, beginning at verse 1. Now it came to pass when Isaac was old, and his eyes were so dim that he could not see, so blindness has entered, that he called Esau his older son and said to him, My son... And he answered him, Here I am. Then he said, Behold, now I am old. I do not know the day of my death. What can not all of us say that, though? We don't know the day of our death. Now, therefore, please take your weapons, your quiver and your bow and go out to the field and hunt game for me and make me savory food such as I love and bring it to me that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. Now, Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to Esau, his son. And Esau went to the field to hunt game and to bring it. Now, you know, Isaac and Rebekah, they're married Rebekah's Isaac's wife. She heard him say this to their oldest son, Esau. So Rebekah spoke to Jacob, her son, saying, Indeed, I heard your father speak to Esau, your brother, saying, Bring me game and make me savory food for me, that I may eat it and bless you in the presence of the Lord before my death. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice according to what I command you. Go now to the flock and bring me there two choice kids of the goats, and I will make savory food from them for your father, such as he loves. Then you shall take it to your father that he may eat it and that he may bless you before his death. Verse 11. Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, look, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man and I'm a smooth-skinned man. Perhaps my father will feel me and I shall seem to be a deceiver to him and I shall bring a curse on myself and not a blessing. But his mother said to him, let your curse be on me, my son, only obey my voice and go get them for me. And he went and got them and brought them to his mother, and his mother made savory food such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the choice clothes of her elder son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son. And she put the skins of the kids of the goats on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. Then she gave the savory food and the bread which she had prepared into the hands of her son Jacob. So he went to his father and said, My father... And he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Now look at verse 19. Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done just as you told me. Please arise, sit and eat of my game, that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? Now notice this next part. And he said, Because the Lord, your God, brought it to me. Isaac said to Jacob, please come near that I may feel you. Do you sense the hesitation? Do you sense that Isaac feels like something's not quite right? Please come near that I may feel you, my son, whether you are really my son, Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, and he felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother's Esau hands. So he blessed him. Then he said, are you really, my son Esau? He said, I am. He said, bring it near to me and I will eat of my son's game so that my soul may bless you. So he brought it near to him and he ate and he brought him wine and he drank. And then his father Isaac said to him, come near now and kiss me, my son. And he came near and kissed him and he smelled the smell of his clothing and blessed him and said, surely the smell of my son is like the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. Therefore, may God give you of the dew of heaven, of the fatness of the earth, and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you, and nations bow down to you. Be master over your brethren, and let your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be those who bless you. Verse 30. Now it happened, as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob... And Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac his father that he saw his brother came in from hunting. He also had made savory food and brought it to his father and said to his father, "Let my father arise and eat of his son's game that your soul may bless me." And his father Isaac said to him, "Who are you?" So he said, "I am your son, your firstborn, Esau." Then Isaac trembled exceedingly and said, "Who?" Where is the one who hunted game and brought it to me? I ate all of it before you came, and I blessed him. And indeed, he shall be blessed. When Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with an exceedingly grave and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, me also, O my father. But he said, your brother came with deceit and has taken away your blessing. And Esau said, is he not rightly named Jacob? For he supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright and now look, he's taken away my blessing. And he said, have you not reserved a blessing for me? Then Isaac answered and said to Esau, indeed, I have made him your master and all his brethren. I have given to him as servants with grain and wine. I've sustained him. What shall I do now for you, my son? And Esau said to his father, Have you only one blessing, my father? Bless me, me also, my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Then Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, Behold, your dwelling shall be of the fatness of the earth and of the dew of heaven from above. By your sword you shall live and you shall serve your brother. And it shall come to pass when you become restless that you shall break his yoke from your neck. Verse 41, sad words. So Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing of which his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, the days of mourning for my father are at hand, then I will kill my brother Jacob. And the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son. And said, surely your brother Esau comforts himself concerning you by intending to kill you. Um... And now, therefore, my son, arise, flee to my brother Laban in Haran and stay with him a few days until your brother's fury turns away, until your brother's anger turns away from you and he forgets what you've done to him. Then I will send to bring you from there. Why should I be bereaved also of both in one day? And Rebekah said to Isaac, I am weary of my life because of the daughters of Heth. If Jacob takes a wife of the daughters of Heth, like these are the daughters of the land, what good will my life be to me? Next chapter, verse 1. Then Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said, You shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to Pandanamaram, to the house of Bethuel, your mother's father, and take yourself a wife from there of the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. May God Almighty bless you, make you fruitful, multiply you, that that you may be an assembly of peoples and give you the blessing of Abraham to you and your descendants with you, that you may inherit the land in which you are a stranger, which God gave to Abraham. So Isaac sent Jacob away and he went to Pandan Aram to Laban, the son of Bethuel, the Syrian, the brother of Rebekah, the mother of Jacob and Esau. I told you it was a sad story. A story about a family in trouble, brother against brother, in many regards, wife against husband. And we find that this family's in trouble because of the way they responded to the word of God. So I'm going to walk you through the family members and show you how they responded to God's Word. Now, obviously, I said they didn't have a Bible, but they had God's promise. They had the covenant. They had the things that God had given to them. And I want to show you how they responded. First of all, can I submit to you today that Isaac rebelled against the Word of God. Isaac rebelled against the Word of God. Now, you must know that Isaac was one of the patriarchs. Uh, Isaac is in the Hall of Faith in Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to sit down. Those of us who know Jesus, we're going to sit down one day and fellowship with Isaac in heaven. But Isaac was not a perfect man. Why? Because he was a man. He was a sinful, fallen son of Adam. And beloved, the best of men are men at best. And he was like us, a sinner saved by grace. And in this passage, it appears he's walking according to the flesh and not according to faith. Now, he knew that um, he was the one who was going to pass on the Abrahamic covenant, the line of the Messiah, the coming Savior. He was going to pass that to one of his sons. And God made it clear that contrary to the cultural norms and customs, you know, the culture says Esau would get it, not Jacob. But God said, listen, I want Jacob to get it, not Esau. He knew that he knew it would not be Esau. It would be Jacob. Jacob be the one that would be the line of the Messiah, the promise, the covenant from God. But here we have Isaac. He's old. He's blind now. He cannot see. And Isaac decides he's going to bless Esau anyway. Now, he no doubt knew the word of the Lord uh, that was given to his wife. Remember when Rebecca was carrying uh, Jacob and Esau, these twins. Uh, that there was such fighting and wrestling going on in her womb. She went to the Lord. And in chapter 25, verse 23, the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb. Two people shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other. And the older shall serve the younger. He no doubt knew about that. I believe that Isaac also knew that Esau sold his birthright for a bowl of stew. We studied that last time. Genesis twenty-five thirty-three. Then Jacob said, swear to me as of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. We know that Isaac knew that Esau had married Hittite women. In Genesis chapter 26, verses 34 and 35, it says, When Esau was 40 years old, he took wives, plural, Judith, the daughter of Beeri the Hittite, and Basimath, the daughter of Elon the Hittite. And they were a grief of mind to Isaac and Rebekah. He knew what God said. He knew what Esau had done. And yet he decides, I don't care about that. I'm still going to bless... My favorite son. We knew he was his favorite son because Genesis 25, 28 says that Isaac loved Esau because of his wild game. Remember, from the very get-go, this family's in trouble. Why? Because Isaac loved uh, Esau the best and Rebekah loved Jacob the best. And so he decides, I'm going to bless Esau. Contrary to all of that, I'm going to bless him. But before I do, I want another meal. I want some more wild game, and then I'll get the blessing. And so we look at this in our world, and we say, what is this all about? Well, the blessing would have been kind of like the last will and testament. Uh, It was usually done publicly, which is interesting. It was usually a time of feasting and celebration. But this is done very privately, isn't it? Come in, come into the tent, bring the food, let's feast together, let me bless you. And in all this, Isaac seems to seek to get his own way, but God had spoken. And God was not done with this family. And in fact, it's interesting. It appears that Isaac came to his senses eventually. Why? Because he did bless Jacob. He reconfirmed and, and, and recommissioned that later on in chapter uh, 28 um, there. But notice what it says in verse 33. Right after Jacob comes in by the seat and takes the, the um, blessing, he leaves. Uh, Esau comes in, says, OK, I've got the food. Notice it says in verse 33, then Isaac trembled exceedingly and said, who, where is the one who hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it all before you came. I blessed him. Indeed, he shall be blessed. Where it says he trembled exceedingly. That means he was violently shaken. What we think is going on there is Isaac came to his senses and realized that God had overruled Isaac's plan to bless Esau. And God overruled that, and God reached him, and it literally shook Isaac. And of course he does bless Jacob. So we know that Isaac rebelled against the Word of God, but what about Esau? How did Esau respond to the Word of God? Well, I think the best way to summarize his response is in this way. Esau seems to care less about God's Word. Esau seems to care less about God's Word. He was too busy living life. He was too busy hunting, enjoying the great outdoors to concern himself of God's word and God's will. We can't forget what God says about Esau later on. In the book of Hebrews, look at what it says in verses uh, 16 and 17 of Hebrews 12. Hebrews twelve sixteen and 17. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau. He calls him a profane person, calls him a fornicator, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. We studied that last week. Now, here's today. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though so he sought it diligently with tears. You saw him in today's passage crying out, oh, my father, don't you have a blessing for me? Won't you bless me? Won't you bless me? But it's too late. Why? Because the blessing has already been pronounced upon Jacob. But in this story, we find that Esau saw a chance to get back the blessing. One noted that he sold his birthright for a bowl of stew and he tried to buy it back with some denizen. Esau's life is sad. It appears he's very worldly. There's little spiritual concern in his life, at least of what we find here in Scripture. Esau's like most men today, yea, like most people today. They enjoy God's blessing, God's world, God's good gifts with no or little regard for God himself. No time to prepare for eternity. No time for spiritual pursuits. There's hunting to do. There's hunting to do. And you know what I've found is that men and people in general are still hunting today. Yes, some hunt for deer and that's fine. But what I mean by this is they're all hunting for something. Some hunt for deer, some hunt for popularity or fame or fortune or position or power or sex or drugs and on and on. Really what they're hunting for is significance. They're hunting for meaning. They're hunting for purpose in their life. And how sad and how eternally tragic it is to live life caring less about God's word and God's will. And about God himself. Can I just inquire of you, dear friend? Be honest. Is that the way you're living today? Would you say, listen, if I were brutally honest today, I could say I could care less about God's word and God's will. You say, wait a minute, preacher. Now. I, I'm, I'm here at church today. Now I, I'm here and I'm listening. Yeah, you're here physically. But where's your heart today? You're here, you're occupying a pew, praise the Lord for that. But are you really here today? Is your heart here today? Is your heart right with God? If not, I invite you to Christ today. If you were here for Sunday school, it talked all about sin. In fact, the last verse we studied in the adult classes was Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. There's none that doeth good, no, not one. There's none righteous, no, not one. Jesus Christ came, lived a sinless, perfect life, robed in flesh. The God-man laid his life on the cross, shed his precious blood, was buried, rose again victorious. And the Bible says if you'll turn from your sin and place your faith in Jesus Christ, you will be saved. I invite you today to end the hunting for significance and meaning and purpose. You say, how do I do that, preacher? By meeting the Lord Jesus Christ. And giving your life to Him. And then you'll have meaning. You'll have significance. You'll have purpose in your life. Because He's the one that you're truly hunting. Even though you don't know it. Well, Isaac rebelled against the Word of God. Esau seems to care less about God's Word. That brings us to Jacob and his mother, Rebekah. How did they respond to God's Word? Well, I'd like to submit to you today that Jacob and Rebekah doubted. The word of God. They doubted the word of God. Now, I tread carefully here because many of us joined them in this awful practice. But allow me to it bluntly and plainly today. And this may seem kind of odd to say it this way. But look at what I want to put up here. Doubting the word of God is doubting God himself. Doubting the word of God is doubting God. Himself. you say, well, that seems so plain. I mean, I understand. Well, listen, if we're not careful, we'll begin to separate this book from its author and in our sinful reasoning, we'll say, well, you know, the Bible, I mean, can we really trust it? I mean, it's, it's so old and, and, and it's come down for so many years. I mean, I'm not sure about that, but to doubt God, nah, I wouldn't doubt God. Listen, beloved, when you doubt the Word of God, you doubt God Himself. This is His book, His Word. God has spoken. He's written it down for us. And when you doubt this book, you doubt God Himself. Make that put it down plain and clear in your mind and your notes that when you doubt God's word, you doubt God himself. Now, I need to mention something very important about this. If you were brought up in church and you came up through Sunday school, you know that I've heard the story of Jacob and Esau and this whole episode about the blessing. I mean, you kind of saw it in your mind's eye and you watched it. Yeah. If you were brought up on flannel graph and I've mentioned this a couple of times, many were not brought. How many were brought up on flannel graph in Sunday school? Okay, four of us know what flannel graph is. All right. got to get some flannel graph, because I just felt like y'all missed out in life. But flannel graph were little pictures, and they had this kind of material, and they would stick them up there, and they would put the scene up there for you, and you had Jacob, you had Esau, you had Isaac on his bed, you had Rebecca, you had the skins. And when you taught Sunday school, one of the main requirements was you could cut out flannel graph. That was the main requirement to teach Sunday school. Anyway, long story short, when we learned this in Sunday school, I think we missed something very important, and that was this fact. How old were they at this point in their lives? I think a lot of people read this and they kind of in their minds, I picture Jacob and Esau, they're teenagers, you know, they're young men, you know. But let me just tell you, when you compare scripture to scripture, and you line it out there. Let me tell you how old Isaac was. And if I remember correctly, Isaac lived to 180. At this point, he's somewhere between 135 and 137 years old. OK, but here's the real catch. That means that Esau and Jacob were not teenagers here. They were somewhere between 75 and 77 years old. They were not ignorant as to what they were doing. 70 I won't ask how many 75, 76, 77. But you understand what you're doing. You understand what's going on in your life right now. You know the decisions that you're making. And here they are. That puts it in a different light, doesn't it? Not just teenage boys or young men here who don't know any better. 75 to 77 years old. They all knew what they were doing. And as we glance at this dysfunctional family and what they're doing, I think I've even figured out what their favorite song was. I think I even know their favorite singer, who he was. I think after the Sabbath supper, they all got around the record player and they sang along with old blue eyes himself, Frank Sinatra, and they loved to sing. I did it my way. Now, I don't have scripture on that. And I can't show you that in the Bible. But I'm fairly certain because what do we see in all their lives? I did it my way. 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 That was their goal. That's just speculation. Don't quote me on that, but I think that's what they like. God told Rebekah before these boys were born, Jacob is the one that's going to be blessed. Jacob's going to carry the line. Jacob's going to have the prominent place. And I'm sure she told Isaac, her husband. And I'm fairly certain because he was her favorite son. I'm sure she told Jacob. And I'm pretty sure if she told Jacob, I'm pretty sure that Jacob somehow made sure that Esau knew that very fact. But here, instead of trusting God's word, trusting God's way, trusting God's timing, Jacob and Rebecca doubt God's word and they stoop to scheming and deceit. So sad. In fact, I got to looking at the similarities between the birthright and the blessing. If you were here last week, we studied the birthright. Today, we're studying the blessing. Notice this uh, I don't have the notes for this, but they both involve food. They both involve food. Um, both take advantage of physical need. Uh, Jacob saw that Esau was hungry. And so he spies his birthright uh, for Ebola's too. Uh, Jacob and Rebecca take advantage of, their, of the father and husband's blindness here. He can't see, so they deceive. Both are stinking, selfish episodes. Both speak something good by doing something bad, which is never right. And both are totally unnecessary. God had promised. God had spoken. They should have just waited. Now, we read the account. I'm not going to rehash it all today. The deception speaks for itself. Jacob imitates Esau. He lies about it boldly. He even speaks God's name in blasphemy, saying the Lord brought it to me. And he does all of this at his mother's instructions. They tried to get a good thing in a wrong way. They controlled their actions, but they could not control the consequences of their actions. You know, we do the same thing, don't we? We make a decision, but we can't control the consequences that come from those decisions. That's why we better better make good godly decisions. If you've got the MacArthur Study Bible, he lists in his five consequences. I want to give them to you quickly here on the screen. Here are five consequences of what they did. I want you to notice that he never saw his mother again. The passage says, Rebecca said to Jacob, go away for a few days and I'll bring you back. No, 20 years passes by. And he never sees her alive again. They never see each other. As far as we know, the scripture never tells us that they did. That's the first consequence. They never saw each other again. That is Jacob and Rebekah. Secondly, Esau wanted him dead. Think about that. Brother and brother, Esau literally wanted to kill Jacob. Third, Laban, his uncle. Now, you think Jacob's a character. Wait till we get to Uncle Laban. Uh, Jacob's going to meet his match of Uncle Laban and we'll see him later on. Uncle Laban was a deceiver himself and he deceived Jacob. Number four, his family was full of conflict, full of conflict. Just wait till we get to see his family and his children and all that comes with that. If you don't remember from studying before. And number five, he was exiled from his family for years. Now, look at those consequences all because they did it their way. They schemed, they manipulated, they were deceitful. If only he would have waited for God's timing, waited for God's direction rather than scheming and sinning. The whole family responded in wrong ways to the word of God. And whenever we do this, beloved, it's going to cost us. Well, we've got to find a getting off point on this trip. So I'm going to ask you this to get off the trip and we're going to be a few more things and we're done. How are you responding to God's word? We can talk all day about Isaac and about Esau and about Jacob, about Rebekah. But how are you responding? I ask myself the same question: Are you rebelling against God's word like Isaac? Could you care less about God's word like Esau? Are you guilty of doubting God's word today like Jacob and Rebekah? If so, mad, just say to you: Repent, confess that, get right about it, and don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait. Do it right now in your own heart. Repent. But I want to go a step further before we close up shop. I want to give you some proper ways to respond to the word of God. And I want to do this in a way that everybody can remember. And so let me just ask you, did any of you all ever read the comic books growing up? The old comics. Anybody read comic books? A few of you did. You remember in the old comic books and I haven't looked at new comic books. You remember that in addition to the drawings of the actions, the artists would add word art to express what was happening. They'd put words like bam, zap, or pow. Kind of like this. Do you remember seeing something like that? Pow! Sweet dreams, baby. Now, children, don't go out and imitate that (laughs) and blame me. I went with a group to the ball game and... It was a really bad call. It was a double play. The umpire made a horrible call, in, in my opinion. And there was a little boy from our church. that was over and he was yelling at the umpire and booing. And his mother corrected him. And he said, but Preacher Rodney's doing it. do <laughs> said, don't, don't you go out and get me in trouble on that. No hitting. <laughs> but, you know, I saw that comic strip. And, and really, that's what this family needed. They needed someone to slap them upside the head. With the word of God. Uh, to knock some biblical sense in them. Pow! Wake up. Realize what God has said. Realize what God's word teaches. And you know what? Sometimes, I'm just going to be honest. Sometimes I need it. Do you ever need just slapped upside the head? I mean, little you just need somebody to knock some biblical sense. In. Some people need some common sense, locked into them, but just some biblical sense in you. And so today, I want to give you a pow. P-O-W. To remind you how to properly... Respond to the word of God. So I'm going to give you a pow this morning to take it with you. And this week, as you're confronted with decisions and responses, as you know, God's word, this is the way you respond. So I'm going to give you a pow. They're all going to spell it out this way. First of all, when it comes to God's word, you want to pay attention, pay attention. Why? Because God is speaking. When God is speaking, you should pay attention. How does God primarily speak to us? Through the Bible, God's Holy Word. He uses other people, He uses preachers, Sunday school teachers, Christian friends, publications, devotions, yes, but primarily what? The Word of God. So when God is speaking, pay attention. What we need to know, and know, is this obey immediately. Obey immediately. No delay. No rationalization, no figuring out, no analyzing, no weighing out. But no, when God speaks, we are to obey immediately. we got one more, don't we? We need the W. The W is this, wait for God's promises. In other words, wait for God to fulfill his promises. No scheming. Remember, I told you before, as we studied this, that... Faith is living without scheming, without manipulating, without trying, trying to work things out, with not trying to twist things and make them. And so when it comes to the word of God, my prayer for you, my prayer for myself is that when decisions come and we have to respond, pow, we'll pay attention. We'll obey immediately. We'll wait for God's promises. Let me just tell you now. When you live that way, it doesn't guarantee an easy life. But it does guarantee that we can walk by faith, trusting our God, trusting his word, trusting his will, trusting his way. So this week, when you're tempted to ignore God's word, when if you're honest, you could care less about God's word, or even if you're doubting God's word, I hope a pal enters your life. And knock some biblical sense into you. Where you'll pay attention. You'll obey immediately. And you'll wait for God to fulfill His promises. What a difference it would have made in this family we study today. And may I just say to you, what a difference it will make in your family if you'll live like this. Father, thank you for your grace and your mercy and your love. Thank you for recording this information about this family family you loved, a family that you have blessed, a family that you continue to bless as we even today are benefiting from the line of the Messiah. Father, I thank you you don't leave us where we are, but you work in our lives. So I pray that you would help us, Lord, to pay attention when you speak, to obey you and to wait for you to fulfill promises that you've given to us. Work in hearts and lives in this invitation, I pray. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our closing hymn this morning is hymn number 308, Pass Me Not, O Gentle Savior. If you're here today, you've never received the Lord Jesus Christ, your Savior. Today's the day. Step out. We'd love to lead you to the cross today and help you to come to faith in the Lord Jesus. But for the majority of day, especially for Christians, maybe God's spoken to your heart. You're guilty of ignoring God's Word or doubting God's Word. Or be honest, you just been living like God's Word doesn't even matter. You care less about it. Come today and get right about those things. And come give those decisions you're facing to the Lord today. The altar open. You obey the Spirit's leading. Let's stand and sing 308. Pass me not, O gentle Savior.